Actually, okay, let's pray, and then we'll talk about Dr. Larry Chapman. Go for it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together again today to meditate on sacred doctrine, on the Holy Spirit, to rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to do all of that right here at Sacred Heart. Please continue to draw us ever deeper into knowledge of the sacred and saving mysteries of our faith. As we grow in that knowledge, help us to grow deeper and deeper in your love and to be able to share that love and that knowledge better and better with everyone whom we encounter. And we ask this through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, Mary, Seat of Wisdom, as we pray. Hail Mary. Full, Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus. Have mercy on us. Immaculate heart of Mary. Pray for us. Saint Joseph. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, well, you talk about uh, Dr. Larry Chap. Chap. I'm yeah. going to double check and make sure it's streaming on Facebook and YouTube. Sorry, we don't have a techie here, so I have to do both at the same time. But you, you monologue for a second. I'll be right back with you. Okay, so what I was thinking about here. So Dr. Larry Chap, he has a blog called Gaudium at Spes 22. I highly recommend it. But he's done some very good um, conversations. I think he calls them webinars um, with just various people, uh, some of whom I really look up to like uh, Monsignor Mike Heintz and Deacon James Keating at uh, Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Um, just one on the priesthood and formation. And, and the thing I like about it is it is not flashy at all. It's him, I think Dr. Chap, in his office at his home, you know, just, just having a conversation with various theologians, people. And it's funny because he'll just sort of start it okay, I, I think we're live. And then at the end, it's just sort of like, okay. And then like just, you know, clicks the like end feed and it's just done. And the thing I think I appreciate about that is, I mean, I, I've enjoyed listening to those conversations more than like most podcasts I have in a long time. Like there have been some amazing conversations. There was one with a doctor, Adam DeVille from a, I think St. Francis University in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It was an excellent one too. And, uh, but just good conversations, but it's like they're not relying on anything flashy. And don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't mind, you know, it's like the, the production and all that kind of stuff. But um, there's other things that I listen to where it's like, okay, like this, you don't need to produce it to this amount. There's one that I listen to, they come out almost every day, and it's like a 35-second intro music that's very um, uh, just dramatic. And it's like, you don't need this for the daily readings like it's it's okay like you know I, I get it they're important super important but it's like come on just let them speak for themselves and I just I like it when someone can do something so good but it's not you don't have to be afraid because you don't have a whole technical team to do it and hopefully it's been that way for people who join us with this that you know we don't have bump in music uh, there's no graphics it's just you know you and I sitting here and each week you can tune in and go wow his hairline is really moving back, you know, just it's, it's great that we can, can do this and be with you. Uh, yeah, I just, just really appreciate that, that you don't need all sorts of extra production stuff. And no, his hairline's not moving back. He got a haircut. It's not falling out. Okay, I will vouch <laughs> for It's kind that. of falling out. Yeah, it's okay. I just notice it more and more every time I get my haircut now. But I'm my own worst enemy because I'm just like, just cut it way down. Like I just, I like not having to go to the barber shop, so I try to get my money's worth. Hey, I don't pay for a barber. I just do it myself. There you so, go. Or when my barber's in town, his name is Deacon John Baldy. <laughs> Actually, it was Easter Easter Vigil Day, 
And we finished rehearsal, and Deacon Balky said, hey, do you want to get a haircut? We got time before I have to bless Easter food. I'm like, actually, my wife wanted to give me a haircut, and that would be a huge gift to her not having to cut my hair. So we rushed over to the rectory. He cut my hair on the back porch, cleaned it up, came back, and then he blessed food. I didn't realize that our rectory was also a barber shop. It was during COVID, but I didn't know that he was doing that at the house. And, you know, Mrs. Balky was there getting ready, getting the food ready, and she was on the back porch socializing with us while That's we were good. cutting hair. I mean, there you have it. It was a great way to spend uh, <laughs> Easter Vigil Day. Yeah, there you go. Holy Saturday. Yeah, Holy day. Saturday. The already but not yet. Easter Vigil Day is kind of an oxymoron. It was a sign of what we hope to attain, but haven't gotten to yet. The comfort that you received in having your hair shaved down. So it, it was, was nice. It was nice. And thank you, Deacon Balky, for cutting my hair. He's a good man. Any other witty banter we need to talk about? Not that I'm aware of. Um, sacrament yeah. season. We've and, had a lot of sacraments. And Friday, we're doing this all over again at 3.30 about the synod on synodality. So we can't use in. all our witty banter in one day because we kind of have the double feature this week. Okay, I'm just going to throw it out there. Do I it. promise this isn't a twisting of the knife. But since I had just said about you know production value and it doesn't have to be super high, we had a beautiful confirmation on Monday, but we didn't have sound. <laughs> so it was just... And I, I, we, you know, this, here's the interesting thing about being the pastor, or like the bishop, or this time it was the abbot who came in to do confirmation. It's the weirdest feeling. It's like riding shotgun in your own car. It just feels kind of strange. And then the microphones decided not to work. And so, like, I can't go do anything about it, but I'm not celebrating the Mass, and I don't, it just, it was a weird feeling. And I sort of, like, leaned over to the abbot during the first reading that we couldn't really hear, and I said, I'm sorry, the, the microphone seemed to be just going nuts. And he goes, eh, it's just those darn demons. And then we just, he was so good, and uh, just, he's like, it's okay, it doesn't matter, it's fine. And, and, it, and it has wonderful. to be. Yeah, I mean, it does. So I went up there the next day to fix the soundboard. Mm -hmm. I powered off the soundboard, powered it back on, worked perfectly. Like, I literally just cycled the power, and, and that it. is it. And it's been, and it's fine now. I would assume so. You haven't said a mass since. I have. We had one yesterday. It was Father Marcel, but that was pre, that was pre me fixing. So it. we'll see. Hopefully, we're all good for today. But I also think it worked on the live stream, which didn't live stream because our internet and the church was down. But it recorded it. So actually, the computer we're using right now, I think, has it recorded. Good. And if the audio was working properly through, through the that. soundboard to the computer. You could go back and listen to the homily in perfect high-quality microphone uh, sound. That's good. And apparently, because I just talked to uh, Mayla Brinkley, who uh, was confirmed to St. Teresa of Calcutta, uh, and she said that they, she could hear the homily just fine because he was right there by them. It was great. And the bit that I could hear sounded great. So he just, Abbott is such a... And if you were in the choir loft or in the narthex, I heard hear you could hear fantastic. So we lost one output out of our, like, six different ones why did that one those two speakers in the church not work those darn demons yeah it's always way. demons it is always <laughs> demons like the uh the church lady from Sarah Live could it have been satan like i think that's what it was so you know you're gonna have that sometimes but they were confirmed it was a beautiful valid mass father james ebright was there that was fantastic um so yeah it was a beautiful night i'm proud of the the, the confirmandi were great they were just i was so proud of them so yeah, you know, it, once again, it's not the flash in the microphones. We could have the perfect sound system and then have a shallow and empty sort of a liturgy, and that's not what happens, so thanks be to God. I mean, 90% we do have a perfect sound system. Yeah. But apparently that 10% is still there and alive and well. And it's usually at the big masses, like 
Christmas Eve or something like that. That's when stuff seems to happen. Is these those big those days. darn demons? They don't care about the normal day. No. They just care about the big days. So come to mass tonight because it's a normal day. It'll be lovely. And the speakers will work fantastic. I made sure of that. <laughs> I'm gonna call you if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna say I'll be back tomorrow morning. <laughs> Go upstairs. There's a button on the back right of the soundboard. Turn it off. Turn it back on. Yeah. Have should you, be fine. Have you tried turning it on and off again? That's so great. Okay, let's dive in. So, sorry we're a little late on this series. I was a little bit ill right leading up to Catechism series. We didn't know if we were going to get to do it. I was actually back on Thursday. Still not feeling 100%. And I had to go do confirmation at St. Joseph's in Kannapolis that evening. And so it was just going to be really tight to try to do this and run right to that. And um, and I was leaving the next day to go to Illinois for my nephew's confirmation. So. so between all the craziness that we were doing, we decided to push it off. I don't think any of you were terribly upset. We're still doing it. We're not going to miss 50 paragraphs of the catechism. Um, but like I said, double feature on Friday. We'll be talking about the synod on synodality from kind of our parish perspective. Mm -hmm. Father just had a meeting with the vicariate priests. I went, had several webinars with um, a couple, mm -hmm. two parishioners pretty much at each meeting. Um, so we can share our thoughts and what we've seen from the nation and what we've seen from news and then also our own parish. So that'll be a good conversation. Tune in on Friday. But today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So last month we started this section of the Holy Spirit. Reminder, first part of the catechism is paralleling the Apostles' Creed, going through each of the 12 points. Um, and we are specifically on the Holy Spirit right now, and actually we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit the whole day, and or the whole conversation, and just getting to the beginning of the church, the Holy Catholic Church, at the very end of our conversation today. Actually, we'll probably just punt it to the next, next conversation anyway. More or less. It's like, we'll four, about, yeah, we'll it's like four paragraphs. Things. Yeah, that sounds good. So what we're looking at right here, so we're starting at paragraph, really, 702, because that was the easiest break. Um, so we're seeing the catechism talk about the heading is God's spirit and word in the time of the promises. So we're, the catechism is outlining where we see the Holy Spirit basically in the Old Testament, in the historical tradition before we had a, well, Trinitarian God was always there, but before the Trinitarian nature of God was actually understood. And fully revealed, I would say. Yes. That's probably because, I mean, still understood. We don't completely comprehend the whole thing. But, um, yeah, until God fully reveals himself as the Trinity, you know, through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. So we're kind of seeing where we saw the movement of the Holy Spirit in the beginning. And so first place we see the Holy Spirit is in creation. Um, the Holy Spirit is... Part of that origin of life and the breath of life and actually in genesis within i think paragraph i mean verse three it says you know the spirit rested upon the water mm -hmm. so we see the holy spirit moving in the third verse of right away of scripture um then you know as we move on through scripture we see the holy spirit in promises we see the holy spirit in the promises of god in him making adam and eve in his image and likeness um, what God promised to give to mankind. And so the Holy Spirit, actually, as the last line of 706 says, um, well, and there's a promise of the Holy Spirit to come. So mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is assisting as the Trinitarian God within the promises, but there's a promise of the Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit, 
who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So basically, we and God reveals to us early on in Scripture that, you know, we have fallen, the, you know, Savior will come. There is something better than this life that we have here on earth. There is something, there is a fulfillment of Judaism coming, and the Holy Spirit is part of that promise. Mm-hmm. And just moving on to the next piece about theophanies, it's a, it's a good word to learn. Um, and kind of both what it shows and still conceals. I'm just going to read 707 if you Go don't for mind. It. Theophanies, or manifestations of God, light up the way of the promise from the patriarchs to Moses and from Joshua to the visions that inaugurated the missions of the great prophets. Christian tradition has always recognized that God's word allowed himself to be seen and heard in these theophanies in which the cloud of the Holy Spirit both revealed him and concealed him in its shadow. And I love that because I, I often sort of reference at uh, funeral liturgies, both the fire, it's like the light of Christ you know, in the uh, Paschal candle, but also the cloud of incense. You know, it's both you know, this, this God revealing himself, but there is still the cloud of that which is concealed. Um, it's sort of like you know, whenever we go to Mass, there is you know, the love of God being revealed, but it's still concealed in mystery. I mean, we're still like unwrapping the gift. So for example, you know, when you see the chalice up there before we've moved on to the Eucharistic prayer, there's a veil on it. And why is that? Because, well, it represents the fact that what is going to happen in that chalice and on that patent is a mystery. I mean, you can put it under a uh, a microscope, but you're still not going to understand the full, you know, full reality of what's going on. And so just like with these theophanies of God, these manifestations, um, it's this awesome revealing, and yet still there's so much about God that remains concealed. Perfect. I think that's fantastic. And then we see the Holy Spirit in the kingdom in the exile. So we see the Holy Spirit in the promises that God made to David, that he would be kingdom, uh, you know, king forever. Um, we also see within the faithfulness of the Jewish people, mm-hmm. prosperity which is the working of the Holy Spirit, bringing to fulfillment the promises that God made to his chosen people. However, when the law was not followed and there was unfaithfulness, exile occurred. They were driven out uh, of the promised land. And obviously very much biblical, when you follow God's law, there's prosperity. When you don't follow God's law, there's problems and struggles, which we see in our own you know, sinful and virtuous lives. And it, it's not its not the prosperity gospel. It's not like, follow God so you can get rich. But sin has its own consequences. You know, it's like, if you sin, I mean, it does affect things, you know. So if I, you know, turn my back, you know, on a particular relationship and I, you know, refuse to talk to somebody, that's going to hurt the relationship. You know, if you turn your back on God and refuse to speak with Him, you know, you're cutting yourself off. I mean, it does have an effect. Um, is there hope for reconciliation? Yes, of course there is. But, you know, when the people turn their back on the law of God, when they, you know, murmur against Moses in the desert, you know, there is a retribution for that. Like, stuff happens because of that. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of what we're When Moses at. didn't trust God and he struck the rock twice. Twice, absolutely. I mean, he wasn't allowed to enter the promised land because yeah. of that fact of mm-hmm. being unfaithful and not trusting him. Pretty crazy. It is. It is. And that's why, you know, got to stay faithful. and got to stay calm in the midst of those crazy times. 
Exactly. But even within the, the suffering, right, even within those crazy times, God is present. And just mm -hmm. like Christ's suffering on the cross, our suffering has redemptive value. Yeah. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is present at that, helping us through those times of suffering and exile um, for the redemption of others, for the redemption of ourselves, and participation with Christ's uh, suffering on the cross. Yep. And then the Spirit is in the expectation of the Messiah. So then we, you know, talk about all the prophets predicting the Messiah to come. And obviously with the Messiah, you can't have Jesus without his spirit in the movement of the spirit. So when there is a prediction of the Messiah, the spirit is always there as well. It's always an announcement of the spirit to come, the paraclete also. Now, obviously, we get the paraclete a little bit later mm -hmm. in, its, in the Holy Spirit's kind of active role in the church, specifically at Pentecost, which we're just about to celebrate here pretty soon. What are we, like three weeks away? A couple out, yeah, something like that. Because this is going to be the fifth Sunday um, coming up, and then I think it's after the, is it the eighth after Easter that we're coming on, on Pentecost? Yeah, pretty, yeah, right around, right around there. there. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be here before you know it. And so there, with this prediction of the Messiah, there's also a prediction of the Spirit coming. Um, and once you, you know, and it goes through, the catechism goes through here, different things, you know, especially that Isaiah talks about with the mm -hmm. suffering servant, Emmanuel, God with us. That's the, you know, it's like God being closer to us than we expect, you know, and just, I actually tried to kind of get at this in my homily this past weekend, like what we long for as a Messiah, it's not just like a military ruler who, kicks butt and takes names. You know, it's like we want something so much deeper than that, and he is closer to us than we are to ourselves. When you think about this, too, it's like because he is the Son of God who pours out the Holy Spirit, he is able to like, be with us and be present to us in a deeper way than we could even have fathomed you know, um, as, as all of this is being revealed and poured out to us. And that's a beautiful thing, once again, like the Theophanies, things being revealed but still concealed in mystery. And even within the life of Christ, right, we always are seeing the movement of the Spirit being mm -hmm. promised. Um, you know, such as, right, blessed are the poor for they shall be comforted. All the Beatitudes. Well, the Spirit is moving in that and allowing those promises to come to fulfillment. And the Spirit is part that is, you know, helping us have the peace here on earth in preparation and in fulfillment of that promise to come in heaven. So yeah. before you flip, yep. I just remember I marked 716. I knew I really liked that paragraph. I don't remember exactly why. So I'm just going to read it and then maybe we'll jump off. Okay. And that's kind of what I was just emphasizing, but you read it. Go yeah. Ahead. I hope you don't mind. It'll tie together. Yeah, I think so. So the people of the poor, poor is in scare quotes here. And I kind of like that. The people of the poor, those who humble and meek rely solely on their God's mysterious plans, who wait the justice, not of men, but of the Messiah, or in the end, the great achievement of the Holy Spirit's hidden mission during the time of the promises that prepare for Christ's coming. It is the quality of heart purified and enlightened by the Spirit, which is expressed in the Psalms. In these poor, the Spirit is making ready a people prepared for the Lord. So just remember that. It's not just the state of your bank account. You know, those who, humble and meek, rely solely on their God's mysterious plans, who await the justice not of men, but of the Messiah. To remember that fact, like, we're not picking ourselves up by our bootstraps. Yeah, get involved. Give it your all. But remember, at the end of the day, all this isn't on your shoulders. God is present. He's working in and through us. And I mean, that kind of poverty of spirit is such an important one to recognize. 
And as you could probably tell from our conversation, these first paragraphs are a little bit more, as yeah. I was kind of saying, nebulous. Because obviously the Holy Spirit is very much present in the Old Testament, but you're reading a little bit in between the lines. It's not as apparent because... It's not as explicit. He's, he's not you know, revealed in the, the fullest sense as we get with Christ and Pentecost. Mm -hmm. However, then here at 7, 17 and kind of forward, we start to get to the New Testament. And yeah. this is where the Holy Spirit starts to become much more explicit within Scripture and much more easily seen in Scripture. And so kind of moving forward with some of these future paragraphs, we're definitely going to be spending a little bit more time. And we start with John the Baptist, who is fantastic, by the way. And actually, I had a fun text conversation with uh, Deacon Balky today yeah, because I found out the day before the Sacred Heart Feast is the Nativity of John the Baptist. Yeah. And so I said, so on the vigil of St. John the Baptist, can we celebrate Sacred Heart or are we still celebrating John the Baptist? It would be Sacred Heart here. Yes. Yeah. So, and so, so it, was a, it was a good little theological text message back and forth. So again, thanks, Deacon Bulky. So I think what would be the 23rd that night would be Vespers 1 for the Solemnity of the Nativity of John the Baptist. John the Baptist in the morning for Mass and then... Solemnity, Vespers, one for Sacred Heart, the night of the 24th. So John the Baptist would get gypped, Solemnity, Vespers, yeah. too. He'd get bumped slightly, but he's cool with that. I mean, because he must decrease the, the Exactly, the increase. whole proclamation that we're going to see here is exactly. about Jesus Christ. So it, it seems quite fitting, actually. It is. It's perfect. But what is the, you know, what is his proclamation, right? John the Baptist is saying, I baptize with water, but the one to come after me will baptize with the Spirit. And wherever you see, somebody baptizing with the Spirit, or wherever you see the Spirit, that's where you are supposed to go and supposed to follow. So there's this prediction of the Spirit in Jesus and the connection there that is extremely important right off the bat, mm -hmm. before we even really see Jesus in his public ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Now, John, the, and uh, it's interesting, I think in a lot of churches, for the longest time, it wasn't Mary and Joseph in the churches a lot of the time, it would be Mary and John the Baptist, because he is... Now, as it says in here, John is Elijah who must come. The fire of the Spirit dwells in him and makes him the forerunner of the coming Lord. In John, the precursor, the Holy Spirit completes the work of making ready a people prepared for the Lord, 718. And remember, like when we get to Advent, we read a lot about John the Baptist, you know, a lot of the preparing the way of the Lord. And he sends someone specifically who literally leaps in the womb of his blessed and leaps in the womb of his mother at the presence of the Lord when he comes in the womb of his blessed mother. And uh, yeah, John the Baptist, the precursor, is super important. And actually, a little tangent going with St. Joseph, because I yeah. think it's really fascinating. I mean, the devotion that the church has to St. Joseph is actually fairly new within the life of the church. It's, it wasn't really that way in the early church. Um, and actually, in Catholic Culture podcast, and I'm forgetting her name, but it's the art historian in Rome. Elizabeth Lev. Elizabeth Lev. She apparently she wrote this whole book on Saint Joseph in art, and it has tons of great photos of different art pieces, you know, throughout history. And by seeing the art, you can really see how the devotion to Saint Joseph grew and changed over time. And so, within a Catholic Culture podcast, I guess they did a YouTube video too, because I listened to the podcast, but you're talking about art, so yeah. I couldn't actually see any of the pictures. It was a poor usage of time on my part. Probably should just watch it. But you can find that. It was a really good conversation. Highly suggested. And we both really like Elizabeth Oh, Lev my gosh. And all her content. Yeah, anything you can find with Elizabeth Love, just watch it or listen to it. She's, she's fantastic. So good little tangent that went along well with you saying 
yeah. you know, Mary and John the Baptist were more popular, mm -hmm. and I think St. Joseph kind of came in a little bit later. I have this cool little icon thing in my room at my parents' house where it's our Lord in the center, and you like open it up, and in the two door flaps, it's Mary and John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, I mean, a lot of times just the two of them, and it's interesting, I mean, the catechism almost goes the same way. you got John the precursor, then we're going to go right into our Blessed Mother. It's, you know, the Holy Spirit working with these people that are so important right there. And I would say, too, from more reading on John the Baptist, uh, Dr. John Bergsma in his book, Jesus and the Dead Sea Scrolls, he goes into the, like, the vast importance of John the Baptist and like, you know, the possibility of him being with the Essene community um, by the Dead Sea uh, and just where the Dead Sea Scrolls are and all this and just fascinating things about how important John the Baptist is. And then you see him you know, literally saying line, he must increase and I must decrease. And I love it because when we do get to June the 24th, of course, that's when the days start decreasing. And then when we hit Christmas, that's when the days start increasing. And it's just one of those beautiful things with the calendar and the way that our, our solemn feasts line up, that even nature speaks to the glory of God. And it's just a beautiful thing. As long as you live in the North. Yeah, I know. Hemisphere. I was going to say the same thing, but I'm sure they have a theology worked out. There. Uh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> we need to go visit Australia to get yeah. the, the Southern Hemisphere theology behind Matt, all these Matt things. Matt Fred needs to do a Southern Hemisphere theology podcast. Exactly. Yeah, I think that would be, that would be awesome. That like, would be. All these nature things that we talk about that don't really apply down there, it would yeah. be... Uh, like, I wonder what it would be like to celebrate Easter like in the fall like everything's dying and yet we were just celebrating christ rising from the tomb i know we talk about easter in this new life yeah. all the time i mean this is why eggs are a big thing at easter because yeah. this is when new life with the chickens are coming and things like that yeah it's it's totally backwards mm -hmm. and i can never i, I want to find christmas carols from the summer's southern hemisphere because yeah. think about it what are we we always think about sleigh rides and snow are they singing about surfing and beaches i don't know I don't i've never either. done the research on that if you know of Southern Hemisphere Christmas songs. I'd love to hear them because I, I don't even know if there's like a cultural thing there. The only one I know, well, it's not really Southern Hemisphere though. I'm just thinking Melakaliki Maka, the, uh, the Hawaiian Christmas True. song. True, and that's, uh, but that's so Bing Crosby awesome. too, yeah, isn't it? Been, yep. And I guess the, the uh, Beach Boys have... Do they have one? I'm sure they uh, Yeah, it's Little St. Nick, but it's still singing about Christmas. Yeah, but it is the Beach Boys, it so it still has a beachy vibe. Um, yeah. But those are still both Northern Hemisphere. It's true. I think most of I, the Christmas carols I prefer anyway or don't have anything to do with Frosty as it is. They so actually have good. to do with Christ. Yeah, they all have to do with Christ <laughs> and his part in all of this because and, it's the central part. And Mary has a lot to do with Christ. She too. does. That's a good uh, segue. Let's keep going. So as Father um, talked about, we have John the Baptist and then Mary. Obviously, you can't really have the incarnation without the Holy Spirit and you can't have the incarnation without Mary. Yeah. Um, so I think... Pretty obvious in Marian theology, right? Mary was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is the the Spirit, the Jesus, way. Jesus which, was conceived by the power of the yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, yeah. did I say Mary? Conceived? You did. That's okay. okay. She was immaculately conceived. She was, which the Holy Spirit had a part in as well. Yeah. Um, actually, Maximilian Colby has some really good theology on uh, Mary, her immaculate conception, her saying, "I am the immaculate conception." How that relates yeah. to the Holy Spirit. Another conversation for another day. You can look that up. But Holy Spirit and Mary are very much tied together. Perfect. Um, I mean, I think we're, <laughs> unless you, there's any particular paragraphs you want to go into on that one. Uh, I mean, they were really beautiful, but I don't know if there was anything that I found super... Not a lot that we need to add. Fascinating, the, Dad. I'll just say, the beautiful thing about this, so these paragraphs, from 717 
moving through. So that's St. John the Baptist, 717 and 720. The Mary, 721 to 726. Then we move into Christ Jesus from 727 to 730. All about, so you see these specific ways of the Holy Spirit acting in the precursor and the one who is full of grace, uh, our Blessed Mother, to Christ himself. And even talks about the fact that even though you know, he's going to pour forth the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, he still continues to talk about the Holy Spirit throughout his public ministry and like praying in, in spirit and truth to the, um, the woman at the well in John 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. You're talking about you know, the Spirit and you know, God's Spirit and life uh, and talking to Nicodemus. Um, he, talks about, he talks to those who take part in the Feast of Tabernacles about the Holy Spirit. I mean, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit a lot throughout the whole of the Gospel. But then, you know, he's going to give the Holy Spirit by breathing on the disciples in the upper room. And I'll just say, too, okay, I'm flipping back for just a second, because there was one line I wanted to hit, and I didn't know how to do it well. Um, but this, this works well. 704, uh, it said this. God, so this is back on the section on creation of the Holy Spirit. God fashioned man with his own hands, and in brackets, that is the Son and the Holy Spirit. Found that fascinating. Mm-hmm. God fashioned man with his own hands, that is the Son and the Holy Spirit, and impressed his own form on the flesh he had fashioned in such a way that even what was visible might bear the divine form. You know, and, and it's in the creation account. So God is, you know, using his hands, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and he breathes life into them, the Holy Spirit. And what does man do? Almost immediately turns around and, you know, sins, and he shall surely die. It's like losing the Spirit, pushing God away. But God doesn't just leave him in a state of death, in a state of mortal sin. He comes to reconcile him to himself. You know, the hands of God, Christ and the Holy Spirit, you know, coming to us to breathe that new life into us again. So here comes Jesus, breathing on the apostles in the upper room. It's like breathing that new life into them. And what does he say? Whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you retained are retained. He's reconciling humanity to himself. And I forget if this is where it says it or not, maybe another part. But about in that prayer of absolution, about you know God saying the Son to reconcile the world to Himself, like pouring out that that breath on us again, breathing on us again. So it's like Jesus is talking about it all through His public ministry, and then gives it gives us the Holy Spirit after the resurrection in the upper room at Pentecost is just pouring Him out upon us. Yeah, and we will get to the part where it talks about the Holy Spirit and His role within the sacraments and yeah. the outpouring of graces there. Um, and so maybe it's yeah. a couple more paragraphs ahead. Good point. Um, but I, I want to reiterate what Father said, just Christ always talking about the Spirit coming. And I really like kind of the second half of 729. Um, it says, The Holy Spirit will come, and we shall know Him. He will be with us forever. He will remain with us. The Spirit will teach us everything, remind us of all that Christ said to us, and bear witness to him. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth and will glorify Christ. He will prove the world wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. So, I mean, Christ says, I am leaving you, but I am sending you the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. But the whole point of the Holy Spirit is to reiterate, reinforce, to support, and point back to what Christ taught what Christ did and said while he was here on earth for those 33 years of his life. And so the Holy Spirit is simply, well, not simply, but taking the words of Christ and saying, hey, remember that? Remember that thing? Remember what he said? Remember what the the whole point of your life is? Remember that whole thing that Christ did while he was here? Keep doing that. 
And that's really, in some ways, what the sacrament of confirmation is is all about. Being sealed in that gift of the Holy Spirit. It's so, and you know what? Using simply there, that's not a problem. I mean, that's simple doesn't mean easy. Simple doesn't mean it doesn't matter. No, I mean, it's like it is a focused approach. You know, like we talk about sometimes, we need to be less scattershot and more direct, you know, approach on things. Yeah, less so, shotgun and more rifle. Yes, there you go. And, you know, so the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth and will glorify Christ. That is an awesome line. And I think sometimes this is where, you know, like we talk about being a little bit nebulous with the things about the Holy Spirit. Well, let's get back to that simplicity all the time and recognize that's what's going on. And I know we're going to talk about it more on Friday, but it's like with the synod on synodality. If that's not what's happening, the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth and will glorify Christ. If you're not, if it's not those two things, then it isn't the Holy Spirit that's leading us. You know, anything that leads us away from Jesus Christ is not the Holy Spirit. It may be a spirit, but it isn't the Holy Spirit. It's not the third person of the Holy Trinity. And so when people sort, and I love that, yeah, he will prove the world wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. So right now we have all this stuff about, you know, wrong is right, and, you know, you can be whatever you decide you're going to be. No, like I can't declare that, you know, I, I self-identify as a six foot ten center for the L.A. Lakers. Okay, fine, but it isn't the truth. I mean, like, Jesus leads us into all truth. Self-identify however you want, but if it's not the truth, if it's not leading us to glorify God and Jesus Christ, then it isn't the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, in the midst of all of this, leading us into who God has created us to be, breathing that life onto us, reconciling us with himself, it's an incredible gift in that to find the truth is to find where we ultimately have our rest and peace. Thank you. And I think that's, and I like what you said about simple doesn't mean wrong or boring or easy. It's just clear. Absolutely. It's clear and simple. And I think that line that you picked out there is exactly it, right? It just summarizes it so well. And it summarizes really what we should, I mean, if the Holy Spirit is leading us in our lives, it's summarizing what we should be led to. Yeah. That's what our mission in life should be. All truth and glorifying Christ, you know? And I will tell you, my my uh, my license plate is uh, G, uh, G3S2, which this is why I did that. Greater glory of God, salvation of souls. Like that's, like that's the whole point of like what we do, why did we're here. you change that? Uh, when I got the Choose Life license plate, I had to pick a four-digit something. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like, let's go G3S2 because that'll be like greater glory of God, salvation of souls. That's okay. what I've had for, and it's, it's hmm. been that while for Apparently a while. Apparently I haven't looked at your license plate. Really. It's okay. Well, it's, it's the Choose Life one, so it's like you see the little like uh, crayon drawn image. And that's not me because, hey, pro-life, what is that? Greater glory of God, salvation of souls, pro-life. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what that's there for. It's the simple... So, to, you know, we pray for it, the, the servers and I before we process in for every Mass, mm-hmm. you know, to be free from all distractions and do all things for the greater glory of God and the salvation of souls. What else is there? Can't go wrong with that. Mm-mm. And so then we get into the Holy Spirit and the life of the church. And as we've kind of been hinting at and talking about already, because you can't really talk about the Holy Spirit without Pentecost. Yeah. So obviously this is the outpouring of the Spirit after Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Promising the paraclete to come. This is, you know, after Christ's ascension into heaven. This is the first novena, first nine days between, um, of prayer between the ascension and the descent of the Holy Spirit. And that's where the tradition of the novena comes from. Um, but we see in Acts of the Apostles this drastic change between the apostles who are afraid, who are basically hiding 
to Peter going out and proclaiming the first, you know, gospel message that Christ has risen from the dead and they baptized 3,000 that day? Mm -hmm. I think that's more right. Than, yeah, I think it says, yeah, more than 3,000 were added that day. And they were speaking in tongues and everyone thought they were drunk and it's only noon. I know you like to talk about that oh, in your homilies. Fair, yeah. We're not drunk. It's not even noon yet. Like, it's as though it's like, if it was after five, okay. But I do love that. It one. is five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think it's not, it's not even nine, is it? Or is it not even noon? I don't know. I think it's not even noon, but I could be wrong. Yeah, we'll have we'll, to look that I mean, up. Pentecost is coming. We'll get that reading again pretty soon. <laughs> um, and we'll probably get the same homily again pretty soon. I, I'm, I just give the same one every week. It's fine. We, we just don't remember year after year, so he can re regurgitate information. Um, but we get this Holy Spirit in the life of the church. Well, really, most people would call this the birthday of the church. When the church came out of that upper room and started to proclaim Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. which is really what the church is all about. Absolutely. I will tell you, you know, like in comparison to this, you know, a couple weeks ago, Divine Mercy Sunday, we had the gospel we always get on the second Sunday of Easter. You know, Thomas being away, the apostles see Jesus. And, you know, and then they see Thomas later, we have seen the Lord. I won't believe unless I touch his wounds and, and that, you know, and then, then he's back with the church. And, um, and the, I heard an interesting perspective yesterday on another podcast I was listening to, Clerically Speaking, mm -hmm. which we've talked about before. And um, his father, uh, shoot, Father Josh, I think, uh, was saying that uh, it's interesting because he gives Thomas such a hard time. But really the rest of the apostles deserve kind of a hard time because, okay, they're there, Jesus appears to them in the upper room, right? And then Thomas comes back. But notice, like, they haven't left the upper room. They're not going out and forgiving sins. They're still back. And so all they can say is, like, hey, we saw Jesus. Like, but they're not actually living like they did. And so there's no reason for Thomas to really believe them because they're not actually living as though it has happened. And I thought, man, I've never thought about it from that perspective. And But, you know, you look at Pentecost, now, like, they're going out like right they're 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 they've got the holy spirit and they're like going out and so like we see the action of christ in his church being lived out now not just scared and locked up when you think about it, when we're not living like the church is to live yeah of course people aren't going to believe us that jesus is risen from the dead because we're not living like he is and so uh phil lawler who's uh, someone i really like to read on catholicculture.org he talked one time about the fact that you know, the promise that we got is, you know, the gates of the hell, gates of hell will not prevail against another, or gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So gates are a defensive posture. We as the church are supposed to be on the offensive. Like gates don't come out and attack you. Like we can't stay like bottled up and afraid. The Holy Spirit sends us out. Jesus, by raising from the dead, breathes on them and sends them out to go forgive sins. We can't stay behind the locked doors. It's like, hey, we're on the offensive here. Like, we got to go out there and proclaim the gospel. And when we do that, enlivened by the very presence of God and his grace and the Holy Spirit and that outpouring, that's when the gospel message is credible. That's where people see the risen Christ in us who have been called to go out there and live that proclamation. And I just I thought that was just so powerful. It was, a, it was kind of a cool insight. And actually, when you were saying that, and I've heard you say that quite a few times. About the gates, about yeah, the yeah. Gates. That, was, that was one I'd heard a lot. We were, we've been talking about the Lord of the Rings recently yeah. because uh, Father got sucked into a Facebook ad and bought a couple uh, really cool, they are really cool. They're I awesome. would get, have gotten sucked into this <laughs> ad as well. 
um, Prince of United States and North Carolina kind of drawn in like the Lord of the Rings it's mapping called, format. It's called Lord of Maps. It's pretty awesome. Like I really like them a lot. I'll have to put it on Facebook. They, they are pretty cool. I, I will give them credit for that. But so we've been talking about Lord of the Rings and I was thinking about like the final battle at Mordor, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Frodo and Sam are just about to drop the ring into the volcano and what do they do? We're going to go charge the gates. Yeah. Like this is going to most likely, they're thinking it's going to be a losing battle. But, and they just, you know, are doing it as a distraction, but they are attacking the gates, and ultimately the gates did not prevail. Nope. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Tolkien was going for that. Probably was, but uh, it was a cool it's little It's definitely part reference. of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been watching these videos called from a channel called In Deep Geek. Mm. Oh, and that's why I was thinking yeah. about this, too, because you were talking about yeah. that one, that YouTube channel. There's a really, and because he did uh, one of these videos, it was uh, Lord of the Rings from Sauron's perspective. So Sauron's the, the big bad guy. Um, I mean, basically like the Satan character and all this. And he's just so convinced, you know, of his imminent victory. And then, you know, with Frodo and Aragorn and uh, Samwise Gamgee, you know, just like the Fellowship of the Ring they reach in and snatch victory from them at the last moment. And it's like, when you think about it, the devil thought he had complete victory over Christ. It's like, look at this, I get to humiliate the Son of God and you know, take him down and all this. But what he failed to understand, you know, in that true self-sacrifice, like perfect act of self-sacrificing love on the cross by the truly sinless one, the Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd who lays down his life, it's by that very act that he defeats the wiles of the devil and from that act, that love continues to flow into every sacrament that we have. Like every confession that I hear, it's the blood of Christ poured out in that perfect sacrifice that wipes away our sins and totally removes the power of the devil. I mean, and, and the devil just couldn't fathom, you know, the goodness of God to do that. He tries to convince us that God doesn't love us. Oh, you know, he just, he just doesn't want you to have what he had. No, like he just can't comprehend or couldn't comprehend the full extent of Jesus's love for us and so it's like in the midst of what he thinks is the ultimate victory comes his ultimate defeat and it's so great I love our faith and we're having a lot of tangents today but I think this is exactly what the Holy Spirit is all about I agree it's showing that the Holy Spirit can bring about the, well the Spirit can be present in so many different things things that are Catholic or maybe not Catholic, mm -hmm. but the Holy Spirit is using them to bring about the truth of Jesus Christ, right? As we were talking about in the, the paragraphs pre previously. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lord of the Rings, yeah. Yeah, you can't go wrong with And obviously, Holy Spirit is very much moving in Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. Oh, it's so No weird. doubt. But, in the, you know, and as we kind of move through this, I mean, going through in the Pentecost, it's, it's, I love it the way the Catechism does this, because it goes, John the Baptist, our Blessed Mother, Jesus Christ himself, and then it's like, Pentecost. And we're still living in that age of the church. Like Pentecost has happened. Um, it's sort of like the big bang that happened in the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead. The, the reverberations of that continue to go through the whole world and through all of these saints who keep showing uh, you know, how the love of God can be present. I just got to do this uh, cool show for a radio station up in West Virginia and Pennsylvania today. Um, it's called The Hands of the Lord, and it's on different saints. So I did one on the, the Martin family, so St. Teresa's parents. Today was on Blessed Solanus Casey. I'm like, Solanus Casey, it, you know, just so awesome. You know, Franciscan monk up in Detroit, porter. Like, he answers the door and met with people. 
what people figured out about his holiness, he just, like, God was present all the time, and he just took care of people and loved them. And, and it's just amazing in the way it's like, as long as you have eyes to see and ears to hear and your heart is open, the Holy Spirit is always alive and active. Yeah, the devil's going to try to pull you away from that, but tell him to go back to hell. Like, just, just keep focusing on the fact that, you know, God is here and wants to work in, with, and through you. And in the same way that he worked in, with, and through the apostles, hey, guess what? He's doing it with you, too, as long as you're just open to it. And when you stumble and fall, get back to confession. Get cleaned up again. Get back out there and proclaim the gospel. And actually, I think that's a good segue in here about God's love and proclaiming yeah. that love. So I, I actually want to read these next three paragraphs. Do it. I know that's a, they're short paragraphs, but I think these three together really paint an uh, important and beautiful picture. So uh, starting at 7.33 and going through the end of 7.35. God is love, and love is his first gift, containing all others. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Because we are dead or at least wounded through sin, the first effect of the gift of love is the forgiveness of our sins. The communion of the Holy Spirit in the church restores to the baptized the divine likeness lost through sin. He, then, gives us the pledge or first fruits of our inheritance, the very life of the Holy Trinity, which is to love as God has loved us. This love is the source of the new life in Christ made possible because we have received power from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is conveying God's love. It's forgiving our sins so that we may be free to also convey God's love through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is coming in us, which is God's love, helping us to love others, and then allowing us to send forth that love back out. Mm -hmm. Kind of this, almost this like cyclical nature. And as we talked about earlier, God gives us gifts so that we can ultimately return them right back to him. Mm -hmm. and, and to one another. It's like we, and I think I emphasize this a lot, it's like, you know, we get to participate in the work of salvation. Can God do it without us? Of course he can. But he loves us too much to do it all without us. You know, like he, he keeps involving us. I mean, God is so much more patient than we are. You know, and, and sometimes it's frustrating. It's like, why has it taken 49 years to overturn Roe v. Wade? Well, in God's good timing. Like he knows what he's doing. He knows what needs to happen. He knows the way that things unfold. And he wants us to participate in his work of redemption. First comes reconciliation. You know, we've all inherited uh, concupiscence. We've all inherited this fallen state. And then, you know, we act on that quite a bit. And thanks be to God, we've got the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to reconcile us to God. And then, and that's the beautiful thing, it's not just clean in house. It's like, okay, let's put this all to good use and go out there and make other disciples, help other people to understand how good all of this is, um, to be credible witnesses. And all of this has to be done in connection with the life of the church. Yeah. And this is where this is where our world really gets kind of confused, right? Because so many people, I love Jesus but hate religion. Yeah. Well, you, you can't. It's, yeah. it's actually, well, I mean, this is the catechism of the Catholic Church, so people would say that's a self-defeating argument. But you know what? I don't care. Because right here, 737, just the first line, the mission of Christ in the church is brought to completion in the church. Did I read that correctly? Uh, you, you, didn't say, you said Christ the and, mission, and the Holy Spirit. The mission of Christ and the Holy Spirit is brought to completion in the church, which is the body of Christ and the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I was so excited about church, I substituted it I early. Understand. I understand completely. And 
it's the beautiful thing. Like he loves us too much to just remain like, you know, a historical reality from 2000 years ago. The church is very much alive. Christ continues to be present to her throughout the whole world in every tabernacle. And it's one of the things, too, I love so much about Fatima. Those, you know, uh, the revelations of the, the angel to the shepherd children in 1916, like kind of preparing the way for Mary to appear to them uh, May 13th, 1917, coming up on 105 years ago. Uh, but you know, the, the prayers that the angel taught them, you know, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore thee profoundly. Um, after being the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity, truly present in all the tabernacles of the world. When you think about that, you know, Christ knows how to make himself present in all the tabernacles of the world. Whether it's the most beautiful one ever, like I think we have a gorgeous one right here at Sacred Heart, or whether it's a, you know, a very modest one in a poor village in rural Peru. You know, like Christ is there. You know, and, and when you think about that, to have that opportunity to be that close to him, even if we're not in the Holy Land. Right? Okay, I'm going to take a trip to the Holy Land, end of January, beginning of February. Come on and join me. But even if you can't, it doesn't mean that you don't get to encounter Christ. You know, like it's the same Christ we encounter in the Eucharist here in Salisbury that they encounter in Trenton, New Jersey. You know, like it's he's there, he's present, and continues to be with his church. Um, this isn't an isolated thing. We're all part of the body of Christ. You pick Trenton, New Jersey. I don't know. That just popped into <laughs> my head. I know. It, it was funny, like. From Salisbury to, to Trenton, New Jersey. Trenton, New Jersey. It's not that far away, but it's kind of far away. I could have said Timbuktu. But yeah, you know, the, the Constantinople, stereotypical things that yeah, are far away. Yeah, Trenton just popped into my head. Maybe they need prayers. Apparently. Pray for Trenton, New Jersey. Apparently. That'd be really crazy if they do. <laughs> okay. And so me. with this, you know, Holy Spirit, or with the Holy Spirit in the church, the Holy Spirit is always moving in the church and mm -hmm. always bringing gifts about in the church. And actually, we both talked about this part in 739 through 741. It the, These paragraphs outline how the Holy Spirit is moving in the church. And basically what these say is the Holy Spirit is moving in the sacraments, which we're going to talk about in part two of the Catechism. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is moving through the mighty works of God and, and the, the believers bearing that fruit which we're going to talk about in part three. Okay, and I want to actually read 741. Okay, Because it, it has the line there that I love so much. And this is in quotes here. It's a quote from Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And then, so that was the quote from Romans. The Holy Spirit, the artisan of God's works, is the master of our prayer. So when you think about that, like, to be able to pray... God gives us his very self in us, you know, with, with sighs too deep for words. Like, he helps us to pray by praying within us, like being with us his very self. And you think about the Holy Trinity. It's like we're praying to the Father, like with the Son standing right with us, with the Holy Spirit in us. It's like, you know, to, with, and in God. Like we are praying. Like we're caught up into the Trinity. Is it a mystery? Yes. But it's sort of like this the theophanies we were talking about before, like this revelation of what's going on, but it's still concealed in a mystery. And we can spend the rest of eternity coming to know it more and more. But I just, I love that fact because sometimes like, oh, I'm just not that good at praying. Well, ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Like, welcome him in. Keep, keep telling him. And I'll tell you, before I get up at every Mass to either go proclaim the gospel before the deacon does, I say a prayer to the Holy Spirit. Like just, you know, um, the, the come Holy Spirit prayer. 
be here with me as I'm getting ready to preach, as we all hear the gospel, uh, just to continue to welcome the Holy Spirit in as he prays in us with sighs too deep for words, which I just love that phrase. It's like deeper than we can even explain. And every once in a while, I remember to pray that prayer with you as you're walking to the homily, oh. and then your homily's fantastic. Hey! No, so I, you need to jump in more <laughs> apparently often. Apparently I need to jump in more often. You do. I, I, I actually don't remember. I, I just... <laughs> I hope it's better than it would have been otherwise because I'm adding in my prayers too. And it's not that often, so don't get your hopes up. But every, you know, maybe once a month. But you know what? Like, just think about that. Like, so just remember when the second reading ends, there's a reason why I'm still sitting there. It's not because I'm like waiting for Flora to jump in with the olive. It's no, I'm, I'm, I'm praying. And then I stand up and I give the deacon the blessing. It's like, and, and actually I didn't used to, I've been doing part of that, but I really kind of ramped it up a little bit after hearing Father Paul McNulty talk about the way that he preps. And actually, he does it like after the gospel. He just kind of stands at the ambo for a while. It's kind of a pregnant pause. And then he goes, I'd rather do it before the gospel. I just feel like it's more natural there. But it's like just, just to remember to invite the Holy Spirit in. It's just it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I don't think, I mean, I know I don't do that enough. Um, and pray I wish, for the priest, yeah, when he gets up there to go. But I, would, I wish I could, you know, remember to invite the Holy Spirit into my life more often. But there's... I think the Catholic Church has so much rich tradition. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I wish I would inv- invite my guardian angel into this situation more often. Well, I, how about the Holy Spirit? Well, how about Jesus himself? And I mean, what about all the, the saints in heaven? It's like, I think when you invite one, you, you kind of get them all by default. I think so too. And once again, we go back to simplicity. Mm-hmm. Stick with a couple of key things that you do every single day and stick with them. I invite my guardian angel and say the prayer every time I get in the car. And it's not just because I'm driving, like I'm afraid of what may happen on 85. No, it's just I do this a lot. I get in the car a lot. We get a lot of emergency calls. We got a lot of them yesterday. Um, Thank you, Father Wood, for yes, taking those emergency two calls. two of them. It was great. Uh, but, you know, you get in the car a lot. Remember, hey, ask your guardian angel for help. Do it a couple times a day. It's fine. I do that, you know, that specific spot in the Mass. I'm inviting the Holy Spirit in every time. Just tie to parts of the day you know, different prayers like that and inviting our Lord into the day. And yeah, I mean, I think it it just helps so much. You don't have to do everything that the church has on offer. There's some obligations we have, but take advantage of the rich traditions of the church and be simple and focus on a couple. I have a new habit that I'm actually going to try along with that. So you know how when somebody comes in or you're talking to somebody and they're telling you about the woes of your life and you say, oh, I'll pray for you. How many times do we remember to do that, right? We a lot of times I don't. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I was kind of, maybe not taught, but suggested in college is just do it right then and yep. there. Yep. Maybe even do it with them if it's appropriate. But I was like, okay, you know, I need, I want to work on that more because especially working for a church, I say that a lot, sure. right? Can you help me with this? Uh, unfortunately, I, I can't, but I'll pray for you. And then uh, I don't remember. So my goal is to, every time I say that, guardian angel prayer is going to fill that spot of, I will pray for you, say the guardian angel prayer as I'm departing from that conversation. And that's kind of my new habit I'd like to get into. That's a good one. I guess it's not a habit until it actually happens, yeah. but it's a, it's a goal habit of mine. I think that's great. I know I, what I've kind of started doing too, and that's, I've been doing it for a while, but you know, like when I'm shaking hands after mass and someone asks for prayers, Usually on my way back into the church is pray for him immediately. It's like pray a Hail Mary. Yeah, it's like you, you just want All to the do people it. that ask me for prayers, yeah. I'm taking care of. It. There you yeah. go. And I mean, usually it's like for these couple, like I've got got the names in my mind. Oh, so you've, you've got the list of four or five and you can hit four Hail Marys with them. 
usually, or it's a collective Hail Mary. You know, but, but <laughs> For still, everyone I forgot. Yeah, it's just like to get it like right away. I totally mm -hmm. agree with you. The sooner the better. Yep. Good. I mean, really, I think we're good. Because yep. the rest is just the in brief. And then, yeah, maybe next time we'll just start with 748 as we move into the, onto the church. Yeah, I think that kind of was my plan. because it's a good plan. And it was only two paragraphs extra so that we could add there. Yeah, we'll throw it on because, I mean, we're going to be uh, doing this again in, what, like two weeks? Yeah, it's a, it it's feels a little fast. weird. Oh, and one small side note. Um, we're going to be shifting a little bit when we do the catechism series. So normally we would do it the Last, third, last, last, last Thursday of the month. Last Thursday. We're going to bump it up to the third because I'm going to have, be having a commitment on the last Thursday of the month coming up here um, starting in June. So we're going to bump it up to the third. Um, starting in June? Starting in June um, and then moving forward. I was going to say, I'm like, wait a second. I think that might be the night of the um, solemn vespers that we have. Oh. But there's no reason we can't do both. It's not until like 6 o'clock. Or we could do the second. Or we could do, I mean, yeah. we're kind of losing our pattern a little bit here, which is which is fine. We're still getting it done. We'll try to get back into it. And hey, summer's, summer's crazy. It is crazy. Let us know. If, it, if it's important to you that it's a specific time and all this, you really like to watch it live, or you just come back and watch it later. And Fred, I know you're out there watching live. And Maria. Fred and Maria are the two people I know that usually watch live. And so, yeah, and I think um, Mrs. Evans might watch us live, oh, too. fantastic. So a couple live ones, which yeah. is great. Um, but, you know, let us know. If it's really important to you at a particular time, we'll do our best to stick to it. Otherwise, we'll just start doing it at random times. That'd be kind of fun. And actually, we'd love to know how you watch it anyways. Yeah. Are you a podcast person? Do you, you listen to us on, we're on uh, Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on, I mean, SoundCloud's kind of the host site. Facebook, YouTube, I know uh, Teddy Charles really liked that we moved on to YouTube. Good. Um, I do like the YouTube he's, platform. He's a truck driver, and I think he throws on YouTube in his, on his phone. While, oh, no. Nice. Well, I mean, he's not watching it. He's listening. But that's the, an easier source for him to Good. utilize when he's driving his truck. So Well, and we love Teddy. So whatever we can do to make life easier for Teddy Charles, we're going to do it. Exactly. So let us know. How do you uh, listen to Father's homilies? How you uh, watch the Catechism series? How you'll be watching us on Friday when we talk about the Synod on Synodality. So 3.30 on Friday. Join back with us, and we'll see you then. Sounds great. Let's close with a prayer. Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we'll see.